Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of Thawud. It's the second week of the Coptic New Year. And the Gospel today was from Luke chapter 10. And at the end of the Gospel of today, the Lord Jesus Christ, He was approached by a certain lawyer who asked Him a very interesting question. He asked the Lord, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the answer to this question was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And today I'd like to meditate with you on these commandments. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as oneself? These commands, they might seem difficult, they might seem overbearing, you might think to yourself, how can this commandment be practical? And how, could I, how can I apply these commandments to our daily life? Today I hope to give you some thoughts on this command. And I'm going to break the, this talk into two parts. The first part is about the meaning of what it means to love God. What does it mean to love God? And the second part, how to love God practically. In the first part, what does it mean to love God? The commandment itself is broken down into four categories. Four categories that I'd like to speak about very briefly. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. To love God with all your heart means to love God with all your feeling, with all your emotion, to have passion for God. You know when two people start to like each other, they start to have little crush, uh, now you guys start to wake up um, a little bit. When two people start to, you know, they like each other, they have this uncontrollable desire to be with one another. They have an uncontrollable desire to speak to one another. To love God with all your heart is to have uncontrollable desire to be with God. To have passion, to have enthusiasm, not to be sleepy. To have passion, to have enthusiasm. When we were reading uh, a book by Pope Shenouda, he described this so beautifully. In the book, Have You Seen the One I Love? He says, and, and he, this really is very touching. He says, you need to know how to love the Lord. How to pray with zeal and enthusiasm. You will find that your heart is ablaze. It's on fire. And your emotions burning and aflame. Feeling the presence of the Lord in front of you and knowing that you are in His presence. You will experience these special feelings that exist and behind you, emotions of yearning and longing for Him. This is real love. Anyone who experiences the genuine love of God becomes wounded by love. The love of God actually pierces the heart. And then the heart starts to spill to spill, to spill its emotion out to God. The second part is to love God with all your soul and with all your strength. And to simplify this, this is a reference to the body. Technically, the soul is very like abstract and is very difficult to think about. And it's more than just the body. Actually, St. Gregory of Nyssa, he says man is composed of a heart, a mind, and a soul. And he said the soul is the intermediary between the, the, the heart and the mind. The soul is the inter intermediary. So the soul is like the personhood. 
But how can we love the Lord, to simplify it, how can we love the Lord with our body? How can we love the Lord with our body? St. Paul teaches us in his epistle to the Corinthians, he says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. That's why the Christian loves to fast. That's why we fast Wednesday, Fridays. That's why the church instructs us to keep our bodies pure, away from sin. Not to watch sinful things. Not to speak sinful. Keep the body pure. Keep the, the church teaches us to keep vigil. To watch and pray. And that's why the saints, they practiced severe asceticism. And they lived in mountains and caves. Why did they do all of this? To subject and discipline the body. Sometimes I feel that... We feel that uh, like the church is torturing us. You say, we have a fast coming up. Oh man, a fast? And thank God the next fast is like a little bit away. So I'm not speaking. Because I'm speaking in general. When we say the church has a fast, everyone starts to think, oh, the church is torturing. If you tell a young kid, please preserve your purity. It's very important to you. The child thinks you're torturing or the teen thinks you're torturing them. Like, why? Everyone else is doing this and that and that. And well, why can't I date and... The church is not doing this to torture you. Otherwise, then... And then that's, like, really bad. Because then the youth and everyone thinks the church is, like, a torture chamber. No. It's not a... I'm not a torture. I don't want to... I'm not trying to torture anybody. But the idea is that... When we love God with all our body, we will bring the body into subjection, into discipline. I was thinking about it, you know, with regards to fasting. (laughs) If someone loves cheese, I love cheese. But if you love cheese so much, or you love meat so much, that you can't go a few days without cheese, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you that you, like, it sounds ridiculous. But it tells you that you love cheese more than God. That you can't subject your, like, you can't put away cheese or cheese or meat for one, one day, two days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a couple. Do we really, we love cheese more than God? Do we really love lust and all this stuff more than God? I hope we, we think about what it means to subject our bodies, to love God with all our bodies. What about our mind? How do we love God with your mind? To love God with your mind is to have all your thoughts, your reasoning, to be about God. Many of us, we think about all the plans that we have to do today. Uh, after church, I'm going to finish my homework, I have this, I have this, and clean, and and prepare for work, and all this stuff. But how many of us are thinking about God? Thinking about our eternal life? You know, the mind is a place of choice. Is a place of choice. The heart is feeling emotion. I feel it. Go. But the mind is unique because the mind is a place of choice. I can think. I can choose. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. The mind is unique. That's why in the Psalms, in the long psalm, Smaudi, this one's very nice. The psalm says, in the long psalm, Psalm 118, it says, Set before me, O Lord, a law in the way of your ordinances, and I will seek it out every time. 
I will seek it out every time. That means I, I have the law and I think about it and every time I see a choice, oh I can do this or I can do this. The one who loves God with all his mind, he will say, I choose this. I choose that. That's to love God with all your mind. To love God with all your mind is to be filled with divine wisdom. To have a relationship with the Logos. And that's why in the Gospel of today, it says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. The ones who have academic knowledge, the one, the Lord hid His knowledge from them. But He revealed it to the babes. The babes, they're the ones that have a relationship with the Logos. These babes, they have the mind of Christ. So that's why or how, or that's why the meaning of to love the Lord your God. Part two is how to love God. How to love God with all your heart, with all your, your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. The good news is it's very easy. Actually, it's very easy. It's not complicated. The love of God is actually an instinct. It's an instinct that you are born with. It is planted so deep in you as a person. The love of God is something that every human being, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, it doesn't matter. The love of God is something deep inside every person. To prove this point, if you think about young children, if you think about young children, does anyone have to teach a young children to love their parents? You have to teach, please. No, you don't. Sophia just runs to mama and just jump. Come to me. She just runs to mama. It's instinct. Instinct. No one's teaching this. It's part of our nature to love God with all, with all our hearts. It's an instinct. And God in His love for mankind, He programmed us with this instinct. He programmed us that way. So because God is the source of all goodness, then it makes sense that all mankind has a desire to love God. That's the good news. You want more good news? The second commandment that was after that is to love your neighbor as oneself. Guess what? Also an instinct. Also an instinct. St. Basil, he makes this point very clear. St. Basil says, for naturally we love good. Naturally we love good. We love also what is our own. We love what is our own. Who doesn't love their own? We love our own and akin to us. We have an instinct given to us by God to perform this command. And who does not know that man is a kind and social animal? Mankind is a kind and social animal. He says, for nothing belongs so much to our nature as to communicate with one another and to mutually, and mutually to need and love our relations. That means that God gave us the rational mind and the ability to speak to one another. Why? You see what St. Basil is saying here? God gave us the gift of speech and gave us the ability to talk as an opportunity for us to love our neighbor, to communicate, to interact with each other. That's why everyone should review their words. Review their words. Review your speech. The primary purpose of speech, the primary purpose of your tongue, should be to give blessing. To give blessings, not cursing. When not in the bad music that are cursing and blah, 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 blah. The primary purpose of your speech is to give blessing. To praise God. Not to slander each other. 
Unfortunately, Lord knows this, these days that too many people are using their mouth and they should be doing good for their neighbor, but instead what they're doing is and eating their neighbor and slandering their neighbor. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The speech is used to to lift people up, say a good word, to give praise, to do, not to condemn and to, to criticize. Let's continue the good news. That was good news, right? To love God is instinct. All you have to do is revert back to your instincts. Be like a child. But let's say, you might say, Abuna, Abuna, Abuna. My instincts, khalas, done. I don't have these instincts anymore. I don't feel the, the need to love God anymore. I don't have a desire to pray. You say, Abuna, it's an instinct to love God. I don't have that desire. What's nice is the second piece of good news is that the commandment is very clear in the Bible and the Lord gave us instructions so we could be renewed. As if to say, if it wasn't instinctual and you and like you fell away, God gave us instructions so He made it obvious that you need to live like this. For example, some people, if I put a math equation on the board, right, an imaginary board right here, yeah, I mean, like some of the kids, they've been giving me their homework to do. It's so easy, I just do it like that in, in my head. I can move things back and forth. And the equation, it's instinct. I'm like expert. It's easy stuff. To them, it's just because they're learning it for the first time. They need to follow procedure. What do I do? Do I move X to the other side? Or then subtract 3 from plus? It's a procedure. This is procedure. So... The way, if you don't have the instinct, what do you do? You follow the procedure. And this is so beautiful. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ, He did today. When the lawyer came to Him and asked Him, what do you need to inherit eternal life? What was the answer of the Lord? Did He give a sermon? Did He give a sermon on what eternal life is? He say, eternal life and, and, and give... A, he actually told him, what is your reading of the law? What is your reading of the law? And then the, the lawyer went back to the scripture. And when he thought about it, he said, oh, here's the answer. So the answer was already written in the, the scripture. If you want to ask like God a question, that means we have all the answers. They're already given to us in the scripture. All the answers are given to us in the scripture. All we have to do is search the scriptures. The scripture is the word of God. And when we read the word of God, we are being taught by God. Literally being taught by God. It's as if, you know, when if you needed help on that math problem and you said, Abuna, I need help with that math problem. Instead of me writing and like meeting in person, I wrote it down and I sent it to you. Wouldn't you be happy with that? Wouldn't you be happy if you, you asked me a math problem and I said, okay, here's the solution. And I sent it to you. And isn't it, isn't it good? Wouldn't you be happy? Some people are saying, no, I would not be happy. I hope you'd be happy. The same is true of the scripture. The scripture is, the, the answers are all here in the scripture. But we have to search the scriptures. We have to read the Bible. We have to allow ourselves to be taught by God. When we open the Bible and meditate on the Bible, it's inviting God to come into our lives and teach us. If our natural instincts have been corrupted, then we can be reborn again. We have a new birth, another try to get back these instincts. 
You renew the mind if we open the scriptures. Because the scripture and God, He is the provider. He wants to provide for us. Let's say you wanted to go buy shoes. Where would you go? You'd go to the shoe store. If you wanted to buy groceries, where would you go? You would go to the grocery store. If you wanted to buy the books, you would go to a bookstore. Or you go to Amazon for all of these things. But the idea is you go to the appropriate provider who provides the goods that you are looking for. If you want something, you go to the person, you go to the source, you go to the provider who has what you're looking for. If you are looking for eternal life, where would you go? Who are you going to go to? If you want to buy peace, where should you go? You're going to go to Target for peace? And find it on the rack? It's not on the, the, the shelf. If you want to buy love, where are you going to go? You're going to go to to your career and your money and your... It's not sold there. You have to go to the provider. That's why I love this this lawyer, that he went to the person who could give him an answer. He went to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, follow your instincts, number one. Follow the word of God. Number three, on how we can love God with all our with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our strength, and with all our mind, is we have to declare war. Declare war on all other gods. To declare war on other gods. When you decide to keep the commandment, this commandment, you are rejecting the other gods in your life. This is what Origen, he says something very nice. He says... When you decide to keep the commandment of this precept and reject all other gods and the Lord's and have no other God of Lord except the one God and Lord, you have declared war on all others without treaty. There is no peace agreement. There is no neighbor at Camp David or nothing. You are at war. When therefore we come to the grace of baptism, we renounce all the other gods and lords. We confess the only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you come to baptism, don't you take that oath and then you say, we renounce you, we renounce you, we renounce you, or I renounce you? You are at war. You have denied all the other gods. And because you have denied the other gods, you cannot make place for them in your life. No one at war says, oh enemy, come and have, you can have part of my country. What kind of war would that be? No, it doesn't work that way. I was thinking about it another way. Is that last week, Michelle and I, we were traveling and we decided to share a luggage. And the luggage has a certain finite volume. And we were going to a nice event, so there was a need to bring nice clothes. And thankfully for me, I have nice clothes. Very simple. But for the females, it requires dresses, you know. And so there was a, like a debate. Which dress should I take? Which dress should I take? It's very like, familiar. Because the, 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 the luggage only has so much space. And you can't fit everything into that luggage. So there was a decision made, I'm going to take this dress. This dress that fits into this luggage, then all the other dresses could not fit. Ahna, we're like the luggage. There's only space 
for one dress in our luggage. There's only space for one God in our luggage. Which God do you have in your luggage? Many people try to cram and put other gods in the luggage. Main fash. There's no space. This God, He takes up all the space. No space to put other things there. And then we wonder why like, our luggage is exploding and we all are suffering. And We're trying to fit too much stuff in our life. Just take one dress. All you need is one dress. All you need is one God. I think that is how we can, we can love God. This is how we can love God. Is get rid of all the other dresses that we don't need. Too many dresses in our life. We don't need them. Get rid of them. I want to close with something, and this is kind of interesting. If you can maybe go to, let's see if I can, I came prepared. Shall I? In the book, um, if you can open the announcement, the first slide up there. In the book, Way of the Pilgrim, there is, uh, it's a story about a pilgrim and he's going to confess. And he goes to confess, and then his father of confession says, you're confessing all wrong. <laughs> you messed this up. You don't know what you're doing. And then he gave him this advice. And so I was thinking maybe we could stand and we could read this, this part together. Or I can read it, and we can... And it's a confession. He says, when you go to confess, this should be... It's kind of small, right? Can you guys see it, or... Not really? Tabana, I'll read it out for you. And then we'll, we'll call it... A, but this is a confession. I wish everyone, we need to... Con, like, all of us, we need to confess right now. Because obviously, to love God with all your heart, <laughs> with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, is like a big, big task, right? So let's read this confession together. He says, I do not love God. Each one of us, we need to say this confession. I do not love God, for if I loved Him, then I would be constantly thinking of Him with heartfelt satisfaction. Every thought of God would fill me with joy and delight. On the contrary, I think more and with greater eagerness about worldly things, while the thought of God presents difficulty and aridity. If I loved Him, then my prayerful communion with Him would nourish, delight, and lead me to uninterrupted union with Him. But on the contrary, not only do I find my delight, not only do I not find my delight in prayer, but I find it difficult to pray. I struggle unwillingly. I am weakened by slothfulness and am most willing to do anything insignificant, only to shorten or end my prayer. In useless occupation, I pay no attention to Him. But when I am thinking about God, when I place myself in His presence, every hour seems like a year. When a person loves another, he spends the entire day unseasonally thinking about his beloved, imagining being with him and worrying about him. No matter what he is occupied with, the beloved does not leave his thoughts. And I, in the course of the day, barely take one hour to immerse myself deeply in meditation about God and and kindle within myself love for Him. But for 23 hours, with eagerness, I bring fervent sacrifices to the idols of my passion. I greatly enjoy conversations about vain subjects, which degrade the spirit. But in conversation about God, I am dry, bored, and lazy. And if unwillingly I am drawn into conversation about spiritual matters, I quickly change the subject 
to something which flatters my passion. I have avid curiosity about secular news and political events. I seek satisfaction for my love and knowledge in worldly studies, in science, art, and methods of acquiring possessions. But the study of the law of the Lord, knowledge of God, and religion does not impress me. It does not nourish my soul. I think that's a confession we all need to make. Who needs to make the confession? Who needs absolution? Kulena, we all need absolution. May God absolve us all. May He fill us with the love of God. If the love of God fills us, then we will... It controls every aspect of our life. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah.